91.1 Weagle presents the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your calls are welcome at 334-844-9345. Call now. You can follow Jacob and Bay on Twitter at Bay underscore Marks and at Jacob underscore Hillman 3. Now let's take a look at the scoreboard with Bay and Jacob. Welcome into the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM or WeagleFM.com. Jacob Hillman sitting alongside Bay Marks as it's been an exciting week of getting prepared for the night in Happy Valley this upcoming Saturday between the Auburn Tigers and Penn State Nittany Lions. Bay, how are you doing this fine Thursday afternoon? I'm not going to lie to you. I'm very tired. Yeah. As it, you can see, I'm a monster over it, here. I mean, I've never seen you bust out an energy drink. No. Well, and here's the funny thing. I don't ever drink energy drinks, and I rarely drink coffee. But every time I get a monster, or I rarely drink them. But anytime I get one, I think about freshman year, me and you, the first time we took finals, and I was like, dude, I'm busting this out for finals. And you were like, oh, I don't drink energy drinks. And I was like, I don't really need it. I was like, but I'm going to drink it. And I rarely drink them, obviously. But like, I mean, you're wired and ready to go, aren't you? Nobody was in the bullpen earlier. My eyes like, we're just starting to shut. <laughs> so I told Grayson, I was like, I got to get him to go get an energy drink. But uh, besides that, I'm doing good. Like you said, looking forward to the hyped-up game this weekend. Uh, we are looking forward to the hyped-up game. We are. This, yes. yes. Auburn Twitter has taken over that hashtag yes. for sure. I mean, I'm sad, though, because I was going to go. Let's be re- um, That's unfortunate that you're not going to be over there. But, yeah. hey, what I'll say is go for – Alex made a good point this morning on Compact Discourse, which we both appeared on, and you can catch us there Mondays through Thursdays every now and then, 8 to 10 a.m. But he's about, you know – the best way probably to experience the whiteout for the first time might be to go as a fan of Penn State. So go one of the Ohio State games and wear your white. I'll be wearing orange. Yeah, I'm I would have worn I'm, that too. I'm going to be standing out. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I'm looking forward to it no matter what, though. And let's, let's jump right in. Last week, Auburn beat Alabama State 62 to nothing. We're not going to spend very much time on that because of the just how monumental this upcoming matchup is. And who that opponent was. Right. I yeah. mean, there's not much to take away there. No. First half was sloppy, third quarter was wacky, and Auburn did what they were supposed to do. So, I mean, what what are the takeaways from the first two weeks that will say that are going to be impactful leading into week three against Penn State? Well, one thing, and I know I've said it to you before, was just the fact that uh, not so much in the first half of last week's game at home against Alabama State, but uh, in the entirety of the Akron game in the second half of Alabama State, Auburn just looked and played a lot cleaner than we're used to them seeing um, under the Gus Malzahn coaching staff. Uh, obviously, Auburn had several penalty, penalties excuse me, against uh, Alabama State there uh, every now and then. But my thing is, if Auburn can continue to play solid, clean football like Brian Harson's been teaching in a dangerous environment like Cappy Valley, then Auburn should have no problems with just hunkering down, playing football, and playing to their roots and playing what they know. Um, so overall, in the macro perspective, my thing going into Happy Valley is definitely playing under control and playing clean. And what I looked at was the the playmakers standing out. We talked about this preseason, how we wanted to see some guys step up for Bo Nix. We wanted to see guys step up other than Tank Bigsby, and that's really happened. Jarquez Hunter, he is the first Auburn running back to rush for over 100 yards in his first two games since Ontario McCaleb in 2009 against Louisiana Tech and Mississippi State. Hunter rushed for 147 yards, including the longest rush in Auburn history on Saturday. But then you look at the receivers. Demetrius Robertson found the end zone three times, one rushing and two receiving. Malcolm Johnson had a big touchdown. He caught that from TJ Finley. That was a perfect pass. And then you just had a lot of guys getting in the action. Kobe Hudson, Shedrick Jackson, two receptions. John Samuel Shanker had a 
uh, catch. But Auburn didn't have to Special throw the ball teams. very much. I mean, oh yeah, three phases of the game. You're right. Besides the first half for offense, right? And you know, it, it it's it's one of those things that you don't really try to focus on too much because you know Bonace looked perfect week one. Looked he he he. He came down to earth week two. Yes. Nine for 17, 108 yards. But yeah, I think he special. played a lot better than that says. It does. His his QBR was a 39.4, which is not amazing by any means. But he still did his job. He did yes. what he's supposed to do. And I think he's going to be the biggest factor going to Penn State. I think that's, you know, this week hasn't been a lot of talk about football, in my opinion. It's been a lot about, oh, the atmosphere. Wide out. How's Auburn going to handle that? I mean, I think Bo Nix is going to handle that fine. He's played at LSU with Joe Burrow leading the way in one of the best seasons in college football. He played at the Swamp against a top-10 Florida team that hadn't had a top-10 matchup in super long. And let me tell you, that was the loudest stadium I've ever heard. Yeah. And I was at – I've been at several Iron Bowls. I've been at games that have been loud. You've been to the kick six. Yes. The, that Swamp atmosphere was incredible. Yeah. Bo Nix is going to be able to handle the wideout. It's a matter of if he can execute with his receivers and – stay really under control because we've seen him not do that. Well, yeah, and that was something that I also, before you came on Compact Discourse, I said today um, was just the fact that having Bo Nix commanding your offense is a huge advantage because he's played in those games. It'd be different if it was freshman year Bo and we were going into this environment. Um, But Bo having been there and having that experience is a huge confidence booster and upside for the Auburn offense. Also, to the point of that, they also have a fifth-year quarterback in Sean Clifford. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also have that experience of quarterback. So having a dual veteran quarterback battle is nothing but helpful for Auburn. And when you have a guy like Bo that's played in those environments that also has looked pretty dang good so far, uh, more so week one in this new offense than he has in the, his first two years at Auburn, and you have Tank Bigsby in the backfield and a solid O-line so far from what we've seen, offense should, if they can handle that noise early, which they should be able to with Bo, they should be fine in getting in a rhythm being able to pound the ball. But I will say the biggest corruption, or not corruption, the biggest thing on offense for Auburn to look out for from Penn State's defense is their front seven. I think that's going to give Auburn a world of trouble um, when they have the ball. It's trying to run with Tank Bigsby, trying to run with true freshman Jarquez Hunter, especially if Sean Shivers isn't available like he was not last week. Well, let's look a little bit at that defense. They're top 10 in the country in red zone defense. And... A lot of that credit is through that front seven because they stood up against Wisconsin. Ball State, not that impressive, but Wisconsin is a big one. They only gave up 10 points to that Wisconsin team and didn't give up a lot of running yards to that team that's been so powerful in the running game throughout this past decade and a half. So what is Auburn going to have to do to really make sure they punch it in whenever they get into the red zone? Because Brian Harson talked about it on Tiger Talk this week. Whenever you get inside the 10 because he was referencing the uh, the drive when Auburn got down to the one-yard line. They tried to go for it on fourth and one, but and the crowd the was, crowd was loud. loud. It was weird. Yeah, the student section was getting loud. <laughs> I was, well, I was in the student section, know, and I was hey, looking around. I was like, guys, what hey, are you doing? They were excited. You don't, you didn't see that a lot from Auburn no, in the didn't. past several years. So You would normally see them not going for it on fourth down, so, so I agree. I, I understand, but he talked about how inside the 10-yard line and the red zone is a special place for the offense. you got to convert there, and I really think that Going up against this Penn State defense, it's going to be tough. And Harson also mentioned that Wisconsin and Ball State, they kind of messed up themselves. So we're going to find out what this Penn State front seven is about, and especially what this Auburn offense is about. Yeah, my thing is, I mean, when you look at it, Auburn and Baylor are the only FBS teams that have had two 100-yard rushers in each of their first two games this year. That's something that you, first of all, don't need to take for granted. 
Second of all, that's something like you said, in those situations when you're close to scoring and you need to punch it in and get on that scoreboard, something you need to utilize. Having Tank Bigsby fully healthy with a year of experience under his belt, getting to go into an environment like that, we have to remember, too, that's new for him, too. Mm -hmm. He's never played in a true road game as a true sophomore. So it'll be interesting to see how he runs. It'll also, on the offensive side of the ball, be interesting to see how those receivers play. Penn State's secondary isn't great by any means, but they're also no pushover. We saw that against Wisconsin. So I think my biggest thing also is seeing how those wide receivers play out downfield and seeing what kind of impact they can make on the ball and give those running backs a little bit of breathing room. Really the only thing that Tank Bigsby has come close to that was the Georgia game last year, yeah. only because it was the primetime game. And of course, Georgia, they, they had a 25% capacity, but – that's going to be nothing compared to the 107,000. He, he didn't even face. start that game. No, he didn't. He, I mean, he had. He came in in the second quarter. Two receptions, I and that yeah. was his biggest thing because he broke free a big run. And it was before the next week where he he decided to take over the starting running back. That job. was when uh, Sean and DJ Williams were still getting a majority Correct. of carries. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do do offensively because I just don't know what the game plan is going to look like because I don't think what Auburn did these past two weeks is going to be what we see against. Penn State. I think the tight end is going to be a little bit more dynamic because really, yeah, John Stanley Shanker's gotten the ball a good bit, but it really hasn't a been. Lot. Yeah, it just hasn't been. It's been out routes, curl it's more routes. More check downs. Right. Yeah. I'm looking to see what happens when Brandon Frazier splits out wide or Luke Deal does the same thing or when Shanker gets in the slot. I want to see seam routes. I want to see slants. I want to see things like yeah, that. Yeah, which we saw in the spring game from Tyler Fromm. But here's, here's something, too. Between you and I and the listeners – I think there's been a little bit of stuff hidden up Bobo's sleeve. We've seen a lot of dynamic stuff in week one and week two. Do not get me wrong. Week one against Akron, we saw Auburn hitting every part of the field. Week two, Demetrius Robinson really showed out, and you know you got you what you got from Jarquez Hunter. But I really do believe that Mike Bobo's got a few things that he's held up his sleeve, some cards he hasn't played yet, that I think he might bust out to help give Auburn some of that momentum, help play those tight ends and some plays they haven't had. Um, just different things that he can bring to that field to help Auburn get a road victory. Are we thinking trick plays? Are we no, thinking not necessarily trick plays, but I think he's going to have different schemes, schematical things that he's going to bring out and put down on the table and let Bo Nix just go to work. Because um, when you look at what Auburn did in week one and week two, they were playing a horrible defense in Akron. I mean, there were several breakdowns on Akron's end that made Auburn look really or look really good. And then same thing against Alabama State. I think schematically. Offensive coordinator Mike Bobo might have a few things that he's got planned that'll help Auburn. Well, let's look at the red. I want to talk about the red zone because Penn State, they're kind of polar opposites on each end of the field. Defensively, they're great. Offensively, they're not that great. So offensively, they get in the red zone. They don't score very many touchdowns. They're three for seven this year on touchdown conversions in the red zone, which is good for 68th in the country. What is the Auburn defense going to have to do to because they, that's, that's a good amount to get in the red zone against a Wisconsin team and then Ball State. What is the Auburn defense going to have to do to make sure that continues uh, them not converting in the red zone? Well, I think a big thing is, I mean, when you look at especially rush defense with Auburn's defense, you know, we're going up against Penn State. Um, they lead the nation in rush defense with only 21 yards per game. <laughs> And they held Akron to hey, negative three rushing yards. I thought they were going to go into the game allowing less than 10 yards this season. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean the way that game was going against Alabama State, I said, they might not give up 13 yards this game. No, yeah. So. But, I mean, when you look at it, too, they're also tied in the nation for scoring on defense. So, my big thing, like I said earlier, they have Sean Clifford, who's a fifth-year quarterback at Penn State. Um, they're going to be looking to utilize him. So far this year, he's thrown for nearly 500 yards with two touchdowns, and they're average, averaging nearly 30 yards a game. I think the thing with the Auburn defense is 
you have the D-line led by Colby Wood and several transfers like Tony Fair and Marcus Harris who have played a good bit and also guys like Marquise Burks who showed out last week. Yeah, he did. And Derek Hall, obviously. Um, but I think what's going to be major for Auburn's defense is having those guys like Zacoby McLean and Owen Papo at the linebacker position. I believe Zacoby's leading the nation in tackles right now. Probably. <laughs> he had 10 tackles last week. Um, but anyways, him and then that veteran secondary who we saw a few breakdowns of them week one and week two. If they can get those corrections fixed and the linebackers can help back up that Auburn D-line against a Big Ten O-line, I think Auburn's defense will do a really good job of forcing the ball to be passed, and I think Auburn's secondary is up to that challenge against Sean Clifford to stop the air attack. The secondary is my key. I'm confident in the front seven for Auburn because yeah. what you mentioned. I mean, Jacoby McClain's flying over the field. He is commanding the defense as well. Yeah, he he, he's like the quarterback on that side. And obviously, we know what Owen Papo can do. You mentioned Derek Call as well. If he can get pressure on Sean Clifford, I mean, that's going to quiet the crowd down pretty quickly. Yeah. So Some early sacks or tackles for loss right. are huge. I mean, Noah Kane's a good running back, but I just I don't know if his talent outdoes the linebacker's talent. Yeah. So in that case, it's going to be up to the front four or front five because Auburn's a 3-4 now to make sure there's no penetration. Those offense linemen can't get to the second level. Yeah. What I'm focused on is the secondary. Wisconsin and Ball State didn't tackle well in the secondary, and that gave up some big plays and put Penn State in the red zone, so they had those opportunities. So I'm looking for Roger McCreary, great tackler. Nehemiah Pritchett, he's also a good tackler. It's, it's up to the safeties. Kaufman, Knighton, Puckett, Monday, all those guys, they've got to show out, and they've got to make sure they tackle because there are going to be times whenever Noah Kane gets into that third level, not, not the second level. He gets past Papo and McLean. And it's going to be up to Monday and Knighton or whoever's out there to make that tackle to save a huge 20-plus yard gain. Because I think that's what you got to limit. you got to limit the big plays, the 20-yard gains. Because if you do that, then you're not going to let the crowd get really excited. You're also not going to give Penn State a lot to work with on offense. I think and what you mentioned, too, is a great point about the secondary having to make sure that they don't get any big runs. I think that's going to be a huge role for Donovan Coffin this weekend right. and or uh, Ladarius Tennyson, if he gets a lot of playing time, True. I think that star slash nickel, or not even star, the nickel position, I think that position is what Derek Mason's really going to utilize to help stop runs like that. Hey, like you're going to have to keep an eye on this running back right here, watch the running back in motion, so on and so forth. I think that that veteran secondary with Smoke Monday commanding the backfield, seeing the whole field in his fourth year playing in the SEC, I think he's going to be able, like you just said, command the defense with Sakobi, make sure people are in the right spots. Um, and that was something that we saw with Zach Etheridge's defense last week in the secondary was it was a little rusty or not rusty. I would say um, they had a few miscommunications that led to a couple Alabama state plays out in the flats. Their offense and their scheme was weird. It was. was dink and dunk five yards downfield at the most. So once Auburn really settled in and saw what they were trying to do after the scripted plays, Auburn really did look good along with Etheridge's secondary. Um, so I think Etheridge, he's going to have them ready. I think he'll understand that with the run. Um, but it's going to be exciting. I think this is going to be a great matchup. We were talking about it in the bullpen earlier, predictions. I think it's 8-4 to four in there between Auburn and Penn State. <laughs> so We definitely saw Etheridge's defense figure things out with that Roger McCreary pick six. He basically oh, ran that man. route for, yeah. that, for that receiver. Yeah, I mean, but, he just jumped right in front of him. I mean, he did. Well, let's get into our predictions since we're talking about that. I, we know where we're going, but let's let the audience know. Bay, you go first. Okay. Y'all know me. Huge Auburn homer. <laughs> and... In the past, in the not the start we're looking for, Bay. No, in the three previous years that I've been on this radio show with you, Jacob, in the huge Auburn games against Florida, even LSU, I think I predicted Auburn. Just games in the past, I've picked Auburn 
and I was let down. I n- understand it is a new era of Auburn football, but when you look at who Auburn has played the past two weeks, I, I'll give them credit. Like I said earlier, they played cleanly, but who they've played and who Penn State beat week one at Wisconsin, even though it wasn't a great win, it was ugly, but they still got it done. I'm going to have to go Penn State, and I'm going to go 37-24. to 24. And I, oh man, that's that, that's tough. I, I'm going Auburn, and I'm going by a touchdown, thirty-four to twenty-seven. I think a lot of people are thinking low scoring, but that just means we're due for a shootout, and that's what we're gonna get. We Hopefully. hope we get a shootout. It'd be fun to watch. It's game day. It is true, and you'll it's be going. game day. It's gonna be a lot of fun in Happy Valley. Safe travels, anyone traveling up north. On the other side of this break. We are going to predict the rest of the college football slate in week three. You're listening to the Scoreboard on WGL 91.1 FM. Thank you for tuning in to the Scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can find the Scoreboard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. And we're back, WGL 91.1 FM. Or if you're streaming live on WeagleFM.com, we thank you for the listen. Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman, as always, the Scoreboard if you want to call in, 334-844-9345, 334-844-9345. Those last four digits, they spell out Weagle. Live from the Bradley Basin Studios, it is the scoreboard. We're going to predict week three of college football games here on the scoreboard. Uh, we just got done with our Penn State-Auburn prediction and analysis for what we think is going to occur in Happy Valley this weekend where Jacob Hillman is going to be traveling, so we'll get some uh, firsthand commentary next week about that game. <laughs> So if you want to hear Jacob and mine's predictions, what we think about that game, listen to the podcast version today after the show, wherever you may find your podcast. Man, we were just talking about it in the break. We really think next week is when all the really good conference matchups are going to get started. Nonetheless, we do have great matchups this weekend to go ahead and look forward to besides Auburn and Penn State where game day will be. Let's go ahead and get into it. Tomorrow night, Friday, September the 17th, UCF is traveling to Louisville, a 6.30 kickoff. Gus Malzahn and his fighting UCF Knights will be traveling to Kentucky, and they are favored in this game, believe it or not. So, Jacob, what are we looking for out of Dylan Gabriel and the UCF fighting Knights? I mean, believe it or not, I think Louisville's horrible. I I think UCF gets it done and handedly. I think that they can win this game pretty easily. Uh, I, I don't know. I just don't like what I saw from Louisville, especially against Ole Miss and I think that's going to continue to carry over. I mean, yeah, the 33 win against Eastern Kentucky, but there's nothing really emphatic about that. Malik Cunningham did what he was supposed to do. But other than that, I just don't see how Louisville can really win this game unless for some reason that crowd's really fired up behind them. Yeah, I, I'm i really tempted to pick Louisville here, but I'm going to have to go with UCF in this game. Um, they had that week one comeback win against Boise State and Gus Malzahn's first game as their head coach. Um, and then, obviously, Louisville, that Monday night game against Ole Miss to open up the season, they looked atrocious. Yes, they did. Um, so, my prediction for this game, uh, UCF, I think it's going to be a very close game. Uh, the spread is 6.5 in their favor. So, I think UCF's going to cover. I think they win by a score. Um, and Louisville's going to drop to 1-2 and two to start the season. And it's not going to be pretty. I I can see that program going downhill fast. Oh, yeah. I if mean, it's not already. Yeah, it might be. I mean, they're kind of a joke over there in the ACC right now. <laughs> Moving on to Saturday slate, and we're going to, if if it's okay with you, Jacob, I just want to touch on how much we think Oklahoma's going to beat Nebraska by. What's, this, what's in, the spread on this? In the 22? Big 8 matchup. It should be 44 instead. Yeah, this former uh, Big 8 matchup. The matchup predictor is Oklahoma by 92%. The spread is 22. Over-under is 62, and Oklahoma might score that by themselves. Probably. <laughs> I mean, Probably. Um, what? I guess my question is, how much does Oklahoma win by in this game? I'm, I'm going to say 40. I'm going to say okay. say 40. I, I'm not going to go too crazy, but yeah. I think 40 is a safe number. Yeah. I just 
I just know we hate Nebraska on this show. I mean, they're horrible. Yeah, they're bad. Scott Frost looking for his 13th win in his third season. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Moving on to the other Saturday matchups. We have a underrated matchup in Miami hosting Michigan State on ABC at 11 a.m. Yeah, I, I, I think this is interesting because both teams, Miami didn't look good week one, but... They also didn't look great no, in week didn't. two with a 25-23 win against Appalachian State, who they haven't been the same uh, group of five program they've been over the last few years. And then Michigan State, I mean. You could argue they're battling to get back into the top 25. I would say so. I mean, they look good. And obviously what sucks for them is they're in the gauntlet of the Big Ten East. So it's going to be yeah. tough for them to compete for the Big Ten title. But I do think that they have a chance to start the season off hot because if you look at their schedule, they don't play anyone decent until, I guess, Indiana. I say they win this game. I think Michigan State, uh, maybe not handedly, but it's going to be a fun one to watch. Yeah, I'm actually going to go Michigan State, too. Like I said, um, I think it's a battle for either staying in the top 25 or getting into it. Um, That week one win at uh, Northwestern was very impressive, in my opinion, for Michigan State to start the season out like that, winning by 17, um, and then taking care of business against Youngtown State. So I'm going to say the Spartans win. The spread is in favor of Michigan by six, but I'm going to say that the Spartans cover and they win this game um, on the road to give them another huge victory at the beginning portion of this season. Moving on down the list. In the afternoon slot, 2.30 p.m., the CBS Game of the Week, number one Alabama traveling to number 11 Florida in the swamp. Uh, my roommate Tristan Waters, him and his family are actually going to that game. A lot of people traveling for Ooh. games this weekend. Yeah, I told him what you said. I was like, uh, Jacob went for the Auburn game two years ago and said it was super loud. So uh, this this it might be louder on Saturday yes. to start the game, which you know it says there's there's rain in the forecast, so that might yeah. make the atmosphere. Yeah. Well, I told him I said if Hillman was here, his advice to you would probably be to bring some nice headphones to yeah. block out some of that noise. <laughs> but uh, anyways, nonetheless, huge matchup number one versus number eleven, um, a Florida team that some people are saying still need to prove themselves. Jacob, what are we? Uh, Thinking about the CBS kickoff. Well, specifically, the quarterback position needs to be proven for Florida. Emory Jones and Richardson, they're kind of going back and forth, and I really don't know what to think because Anthony Richardson, he's 6 for 11 for 192 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. So, yeah, the completion percentage isn't there, but he's being really efficient, 17.5 yards per attempt. Yeah. And Emory Jones, he's thrown four interceptions this year and on 5.4 yards per attempt. So it's it's very difficult – to see who's going to be the starter. Cole Kubelik asked Dan Mullen, and Dan Mullen almost gave a Nick Saban-type answer when he asked about the starting quarterback. So I'm not going to answer, so quit asking. I, yeah, pretty much. And Anthony Richardson, okay. so He's a team-leading rusher right now. That's what I was going to say. I yeah. mentioned the passing, and then I looked down and see that he's the leading rusher, which is what all the, all the talk about Emory Jones was. And Emory Jones has double the attempts and 120 less yards. And mind you, he was the first quarterback Dan Mullen recruited when he got to Florida. He was. So uh, I think for it, the Emory Jones and Richardson situation, I feel like Jones might feel Anthony Richardson on his heels a little bit right now. He's got to have pressure on him. Um, absolutely. But regardless, I think Alabama's going to go into Florida. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I also don't say it's going to be a shootout. So what I think is going to happen is it's going to basically – Alabama's going to be up like 17 points the whole game. Yeah. And it's going to be – you're going to be like, I mean, if Florida scores here, they have a chance, and they're just never going to score. Or if they do, Alabama will answer right back. And then my thought is it'll be like that at halftime, and Florida will make a change of quarterback. I can envision that. Um, I feel like Florida having those two quarterbacks is going to keep them into this game. Um, I say Alabama, the cover or the spread is 14 and a half Alabama covers. Yeah. Um, I, I think, think it's close though. Yeah. I think they win by either 17 or 20, just over a little over the spread right there. 
Um, but yeah, Alabama is going to get a huge SEC win for their first SEC win of the season, and I think they walk out of the swamp uh, very victoriously. So let's go ahead and move down this slate. Jacob mentioned wanting to look at some of the night games, so that's what we're going to go ahead and do. Not talking about the Auburn-Penn State game. Like I said, we talked about that earlier. Um, some of these interesting ones out on the West Coast, a ranked matchup between Arizona State traveling to soon-to-be Big 12 BYU, number 19 versus number 23, on ESPN at 9:15. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a fun Pac-12 after dark you've got for BYU. Yeah, Jaron Hall, he's really making his presence felt in the replacement of Zach Wilson. BYU got his first win in nine tries against Utah last week. Storm in the field is an electric atmosphere. And now they get a ranked test against Arizona State. And I know that place is going to be fired up. Jaden Daniels, he's a good quarterback. I like Arizona State, but not over BYU. I yeah. like BYU to win this game. I was about to say, I agree. I think a lot of people have the Sun Devils in this game just because they're a Pac-12 team. Um, but I want to pick BYU, and I'm going to do it. Give them that home field night advantage, especially with Hall back there at the quarterback position. Um, and their offense is showing I mean, they're averaging nearly 400 yards a game. I think that home field advantage, because I'm huge about that, is going to give them the push over the edge that they need. Um, and I think that's going to be a huge win for their program. Moving on. Some other night games to look at around the country. Back over on the East Coast, you have Virginia traveling to North Carolina. North Carolina's already gotten beaten by one team out of the state of Virginia this year. Will it be two after Saturday night? I don't know, and I like what Virginia has shown this year because you know they're they're two and zero, and and the wins are against Illinois and William and Mary. So maybe not the most impressive wins, but they handled their business, scoring forty three and forty two points, only giving up fourteen to Illinois, who. Beat Nebraska in week zero. Just reminder there, Scott Frost. And I I don't know. I think North Carolina starts to bounce back here. I think Sam Howell starts to find his rhythm. Not going to make it to New York probably, but this is where he figures things out and then his draft stock gets back to normal. Yeah, I think Sam Howell and the Tar Heels at home walk away victorious. Um, but I will say the spread is eight in favor of the Tar Heels. I think Virginia covers, and Brendan Armstrong, man, I mean, he's been one of the more underrated passers in the first two weeks. He has been. 744 yards, seven tutties, and only one pick. I mean, I, I think this could be a quarterback duel. He looks really a lot do. better than Sam Howell. <laughs> yes, well, Sam Powell had a rough week one um, against the Virginia Tech Hokies. But, yeah, I, I think North Carolina wins this game, but it's it's going to be a cover by Virginia, in my opinion, on the road. That'll be one of the fun games. That, I mean, that's I mean, like I said, it's a night game. I mean, I'm looking forward to that one because Chapel Hill probably won't be rocking, but it, they'll be ready to see North Carolina what they do against a decent test. And I know that there's probably other matchups, but due to time constraints, and I know that me and Jacob also want to get to this game before we have to go to break and move on with the show. In honor of the two-year anniversary of the of the double overtime loss at Oof. home to South Carolina, South Carolina traveling to Georgia, the number two ranked team in the nation after a big win against UAB, on ESPN, as a matter of fact, 6 p.m., what are we what are we looking at? Can Zeb Nolan get it done? No. Can he? Come on. Have you seen that defense? Come on. Dude. I mean, Zeb Nolan, I mean, okay, listen, Luke Doty, the backup quarterback, might play because of how good that defense is, and Zeb Nolan might get smacked around a little bit, but there's not even a little bit of a chance. If DJ Uagalele can't play well, good try. it's as close as I'm going to get. <laughs> If he can't get more than three points on the board for Clemson, if he can't get double-digit points on the board against Georgia, 
How many other quarterbacks in the country can? I think I think Zeb Nolan's going to do it. I think really. I think South Carolina's going to have 14 on the board. They're all going to be the first half. Give Georgia a little scare, but then Georgia's going to break free in the second half and maybe not cover. It'll be close though. They'll win by about 30. <laughs> the spread is 31 and a half. Um, I have Georgia. It's at home. I think that they're going to get it done. I don't know if they cover or not. Quarterback situation is interesting. Yeah. But I, I don't think that South Carolina has a chance to walk out of there in a night game with any sort of dub. On the other side of the break, we will be moving into the NFL portion of the show for today. If you want to call and be a part of it, call in at 334-844-9345. 334-844-9345. That spells Weagle. This is Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman live on the scoreboard. We're already halfway done with the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can find more Weagle content at WeagleFM.com or on social media at Weagle underscore AU. Welcome back into the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM or streaming at WeagleFM.com. We're about to get into week one NFL recap. And if you missed any part of the first half of the show where we previewed Auburn, Penn State, and the rest of the nation's college football action, Tune into the podcast after the show, wherever you get your podcast, and catch that discussion with myself, Jacob Hillman, and Babe Marks. Let's get into week one because it was a fun one. Not for me. That's why we're keeping. Oh, I see what yeah. you're saying. I see what you're saying. We're keeping. We have Daniel in studio today as well as Noah back here, uh, both new to WGL, but we're keeping Daniel's mic off <laughs> because, as y'all know, because the past two years, he hasn't been Daniel Locke. He's been Daniel from Helena. Correct. So Daniel from Helena is no longer a caller. Daniel from Helena is now a part of Weagle. So he's been sitting in on our show uh, trying to learn the ropes and learn the board and everything. So his mic will stay muted. So I will not take Packer slander today. I mean, I mean, here's the thing. I might, I'm not going to slander them, but I'm going to point out the facts yes. of the matter, which is... Just like we'll point yep. out, it didn't look good. Just like we'll point out the facts that the Panthers played the Jets. So we'll we'll point out all the I facts. I know, but there's we'll, nothing. There's no negativity there. It's just uh, what's going to happen. <laughs> We're going to find out because this week the Panthers played the Saints. Who beat the Packers, thirty-eight to three? Week one. That's what I'm saying. Let's start off with <laughs> let's start off with your team. Let's get it out of the way, Bay. Okay. Quick and easy. Here's the deal. Jabu, for whatever reason, just basic. It's the LASIK eye There's surgery. Just no, okay. It's got it. No, what else could it be? I'm serious. Dude Dude woke up and chose violence. I'm not kidding. I'm not, dude just was like a completely... He was Hueytown High School Jameis Winston that night. He was. Or that afternoon in Jacksonville. He was. I, I don't know if it was the Packers adjusting to the heat and the humidity. I don't know if... Well, they showed a stat during the game where Aaron Rodgers in Florida, 11 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 3-4 and four record. And that's against teams like Jacksonville, Miami, yeah. and who's the other Florida team? Well, which is weird because he's from California. Isn't there another also Florida hot. team? <laughs> Miami, Jacksonville, Tampa Bay. Yeah, that's it. Okay. so But it's weird because he's from Cali, so he's used to the heat. I don't think that's the issue. No, it's not the issue. I just think whenever they travel down south after playing in all these games up north against a it's just different style of football. The O-line was still banged up with Bakhtiari being out. The Saints defense. Y'all ran for 43 yards. Yeah. The Saints, the Saints defense snuffed out everything we were doing. Like, I mean, and we also just didn't have a chance against Jebby. Also, I'm on the cut Kevin King train. <laughs> so whoever wants to get on, you better hurry up because my train is about to leave the station. Was he covering a man who scored that big touchdown at the end? Yes, it, that was him. Okay. Running behind him. Deontay like Harris. Yeah. Yes. Okay. He uh, And he's also one that gave up the winning NFC Championship touchdown last year. Uh, first round pick, by the way. Wasted. Ugh. So, in case y'all care. But, well, uh, hey, another first round pick. Jordan Hill got some play in action. You mean Jordan Love? Jordan Love, yeah. whatever his name is. I mean, is he the quarterback of the future? I'm, I mean, I'm. we're not trying to overreact. We're a, lot of, not, 
A lot Both of, people, of our Super Bowl picks are the Packers. I know, but a lot of people had have this conspiracy theory out there right now that Aaron Rodgers is tanking. I don't think I don't he would find, tank this no, bad. he wouldn't. If he I, was going to tank, it'd be like, well, let's make it to the divisional round and you just lose there. Nothing more to it. The Saints crush us. It's forget and move on. We play Monday Night Football this week. Maybe that'll help us out at home against a rival in the Lions. Well, yes, yeah, the Lions. If you don't beat the Lions, who... Okay, Mr. Panthers and beating the Jets. I, I'm not even... I'm just saying... If the Packers are going to get back on track, they need to do it with oh, absolutely. Uh, Aaron Rodgers' I hate Detroit game. I will say Detroit looked a lot better this past weekend than they have. In the second half. Yeah, well, in the second half than in the past previous year. So, see, I just no pushover. I'm not bought into it yet. I'm not bought into Jared Goff changing everything. I think that he's going to be a great fantasy quarterback because the Lions are going to fall behind every single game, and he's just going to throw the ball 50 times. But I don't think the Lions are going to really figure I mean, I, I'm thinking 6-11 and 11 this year. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. So. It's so weird to think about the 17 Is that game, game in, we'll get to it in this next segment. Or is that at Detroit? No. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and let's talk about your team and get out of the way. Carolina beating New York at home 19-14. to Good way to start out the Sam Darnold era in the Carolinas. And you get McCaffrey back, who was the rushing leader in this game. Yeah, rushing and receiving leader with nine receptions and 89 yards. You know, I don't know what to think of this. This is similar to Auburn because Carolina handled its business. Now it's different than Auburn because you're not – in the NFL, you don't blow out teams that often, but you know, unless you're the <laughs> unless you're the Saints and Packers. But the Panthers just they looked okay. They looked okay. We're gonna see next week, obviously, if they're for real. Y'all yeah. had nearly 400 yards of total offense. I mean, and that's that's what they've needed. Got to build off the of defense that. is built is really constructed well. Yeah, you had Derrick Brown, you had Jeremy oh Chan. Did you, you had hear Jack that Thompson. quote from Zach Wilson about y'all's defense? I did not. When he was getting sacked about by Derrick Brown, oh, at one said, play. yeah, he felt like he was going to hit by a truck. Exactly. I don't, I don't have any concerns about the defense. No, they're going to force turnovers and they're not going to give up huge plays or big numbers. The offense, the consistency is what I'm looking at. Yeah. Also, Panthers had to cut their kicker because they signed the guy that lost his job to the guy that the Panthers cut last year. So. You know, that was smart of the Panthers. Yeah. Anyway, I, I looked through the box score. Terrace Marshall Jr., impressive. Three receptions, 26 yards. Not not super crazy, but I liked everything I saw overall because McCaffrey, efficient. Darnold, efficient. And the defense did their thing. The thing is, it was the Jets. That, yeah. That's the whole thing. Hey, but regardless, though, it's like we talked about with Auburn. Even though it that is at a, a lower opponent than what you like to get a win over, still, to win... Doesn't matter how much you win by, doesn't matter who you beat, but you got to win, and that's a lot to build confidence off of because half the teams right now don't have a win in the NFL. You're right. So can't hey, really complain about it, though. Yeah, no, no complaints no, yeah, whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. It's just, you, you, yeah. I don't know what I'm what I'm thinking of about Sunday. Sunday might be bad, but Sunday might also be, okay, they have you a show chance. Show fight, yeah. I don't, I don't believe Panthers will have a chance to win that game, but yeah. like you said, show some fight unlike another team. Chill out. Okay. Let's move on to the other big game. Let's start off with the best one. Raiders-Ravens. What a Monday night finish. I mean, can we say Daniel Carlson at Vikings? That yet? too. Oh, yeah. I mean, tweeted every shout, single time. CC Will Kelly. At right. Yeah, shout, shout out Will Kelly because every time you make a field goal, Daniel, you're you're getting a tweet about the Vikings. So, But, uh, no, nonetheless, I mean, hits a clutch. What was it, 55-yarder? Yeah. To send it into overtime. Um, and then overtime, a crazy... Derek Carr pass to cap off the victory. I mean, you're missing also, a lot in between, but yes. I mean, just just the high points. But uh, right. I think also one big thing about this game was I think a lot of people became Derek Carr fans after the game. 
I think so, too. I mean, 34 for 56, 435 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. I mean, that that's good enough with a su- good enough supporting cast to get things done. Yeah, and I think also what this game kind of tells a lot about is <laughs> Lamar Jackson needs some help. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, mean, more particularly in the backfield with him. Right. But, I mean. And Tyson Williams looked okay, but it's not enough for the Ravens to compete in the division they're playing in. It's And I'm looking on ESPN right now, and this is kind of where what the terminology I was trying to use was. It says, is Lamar Jackson's all-or-nothing style of play too risky? Which, honestly, you can't really phrase it better than that because, obviously, you've seen the injuries in their backfield. You saw the injuries to their defense. I mean, just recently. When you have a quarterback that's as dynamic as Lamar, he's not going to be able to win just by himself. You have to get him athletes around him. And when you do that and you have that recipe of having several great receivers, a few great running backs to rely on, and an offensive line to block for him, it doesn't matter if you have the worst defense in the league. You're going to win a lot of games. Yeah. I mean, he he was up for – I mean, he won MVP a few years ago. He, he could be up for MVP every single year if he had such a great supporting cast to do so. Yeah, and he has to play with an all-or-nothing style with nobody around him. We saw him diving for first downs when he fumbled that ball, and he and he got back up and dove that football again. Yeah. And that's the point of it being too risky. Yeah. If he goes down, I mean, the Ravens Yeah, they're season, done for. And I would say the Ravens season and next few years, it's going to be tough. Yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think they're going to have to look at – Putting a lot of guys around Lamar Jackson because if you, it's as simple as that. It really is, and I mean, they're going to have that ferocious defense year in and year out in that division. But and I think that the receiving court, I mean, obviously the the throwing ability is not top tier for Lamar yes. Jackson, but I think the receivers are enough. And yes. Sammy Watkins can play like week one Sammy Watkins every week. They're fine. Four receptions, ninety six yards. That's great. Marquise Brown looks good. Mark Andrews looks good. And then other than that, it's just run the ball well and you can't do that with Without, what they yeah, have right now exactly so I think that those are the two biggest takeaways was was the Derek Carr and the way the way Las Vegas finished that game in front of the crowd in that stadium for the first time which that was probably huge with them um and then taking away Lamar Jackson I think that's the two things you can take away from this week one matchup move on to the next game I like Chiefs Browns that game yes, was interesting I was about to say that's probably a good one to talk about as well I I'm shocked the Browns gave up that lead, but I probably shouldn't be because the Chiefs are just, they're still dang good. It doesn't matter what happened in the Super Bowl. They're they are going to be back in the AFC Championship. Well, it's just a matter of if they win that or not. Cleveland hasn't won a week one game in <laughs> they haven't. 13 years. A long time. Yeah, it's it's been a long time. So, um, And then also, you know, we like to make Auburn connections. Anthony Schwartz was the highest graded uh, rookie receiver in week one. Three receptions, 69 yards. Nice. And then he also had a rush for 17 yards. Yeah. So, I mean, this was, I mean, I. you could argue this was a better matchup than people would have expected. I think, did you, you picked the Browns. I picked the Browns and when I was up. And I picked the Chiefs, but when I was watching the game, I was like, this Hillman guy knows what he's talking <laughs> I, about. I know. I thought that too. I was like, man, I finally made a good pick after <laughs> first week of college football, missing everything, and then, then that happens. Patrick Mahomes sees Tyreek Hill running free and says, I'm throwing it up, and he scores a touchdown. So he did you see he actually did the yeah he, did. he actually did the piece. It was interesting. I, I'm surprised they didn't call it a flag, but I think that shows a lot about Kansas City and um, a lot of people in the preseason were kind of questioning what they would look like after losing the Super Bowl it's and wild. I know they look bad in the preseason. They did, but it's a preseason. And exactly. I mean, Patrick Mahomes did what he what he does led them to that comeback, and Andy Reid knew what he was doing with his experience. But don't be surprised if this is. 
a possible AFC title game. I agree. Yeah. I agree. This is just a preview. And I think the Browns and I think the Chiefs will both improve. Yeah. I think I don't think the Chiefs have as much room to improve, but I still think the Browns. They, yeah, they, they, neither of them play to their potential. There's pieces to put together where they might look really special yeah. in the coming season. They might dominate the AFC North. We'll see. And, I mean, I, I really think that that is an AFC preview. Yeah, if not, the Bills will be stuck in there somewhere if they can get back on track after a week one loss. Say, but that's they, another conversation. They also blew a lead. Yeah, they That's did. crazy. That was my pick for the AFC title game. <laughs> Uh, we want to talk about Thursday night, Bucks. Yeah, let's do it real quick. Bucks, Cowboys. I mean, could have asked for a better opening night. Not, I swear. I swear the bookends were great. It was fantastic. Yeah. weekend of NFL, and I thought Dak Prescott. He really showed out coming up off his injury, especially with the Cowboys just not giving the ball to Zeke Elliott. Yeah. Have you? Do you see this right here on ESPN where it's the win, win probability, probability just, and it spikes up to Dallas? It spikes right back down. I mean, that was that's just hilarious. It but, was a uh, fun game to watch. Um. Yeah, Dak Prescott, 42 of 58, threw for over 400, three scores and one pick. Tom Brady, the GOAT, coming out 32 of 50 for 380, four scores and then two picks. Um, I mean, this is the Dallas team that obviously year in and year out, all we've been hearing is this is the year, this is the year, they're going to be great this year. <laughs> they really might be good this year. I think the NFC East is theirs to lose this year. We predicted, yes. we both predicted them to win it, but now I'm looking at for sure, especially with Ryan Fitzpatrick going down. Them and I think the Eagles, I think we predicted this last week, they'll probably win it with the Eagles close behind. I'm not going to overreact to the Eagles yet. I think, don't they play San Francisco this week? They do. I was about to say, I think that could be a very telling game. It could be because San Francisco looked great against the Lions, and Jimmy G, maybe it's his year. Next on the scoreboard, week two predictions in the NFL. Maybe it'll be just as exciting. We'll tell you on the other side of this break on the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM. One more segment before we turn off the scoreboard for the day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. We hope you have enjoyed listening. You can listen to us every Thursday at 2 p.m. on WEGL 91.1 FM or at WEGLFM.com. Welcome back to The Scoreboard. Final segment with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman before we say goodbye today. If you want to call in and be a part of the predictions today for the NFL Week 2 games, call in at 334-844-9345, 334-844-9345. Miss any part of today's show? Don't worry. It's on any podcasting platform. You may find your podcast on Apple, Spotify, you name it. It'll be on there. Like I said, week two predictions. We're going to go ahead and get into those after a wild week one in the NFL. Um, I think that there's going to be a lot of games to look forward to this weekend. We were mentioning just now, Jacob might be going to an NFL game this week. I'm going to try to make it after... Auburn beats Penn State on Saturday night. I want to try to go to that Steelers-Raiders game. It's pretty hot, though. At first, I was thinking Eagles-49ers. I think those teams are better. But after what transpired in Week 1, that Steelers-Raiders matchup might be fun. Some great matchups this week. Um, I mean, Thursday night, Sunday night, and Monday night football, all great matchups. Are we, we going to call tonight great? Well, I mean, it is a divisional matchup. It's divisional. So it'll be very uh, important. Uh, but let's not, look at the two teams. Yeah, not, not <laughs> fireworks by any means. But um, nonetheless, it is... Mark it down. I said nonetheless. Oh, we're starting Allie a Mark. nonetheless counter for me in honor of Jared Dillard. Uh, what, what was his thing? His was with that being with said. With that being said, yeah. I still have that video of him going ballistic when I <laughs> caught him. Anyways, so New York at Washington divisional matchup tonight on Thursday Night Football. Real quick, Jacob, what are we thinking about this game after last week's performances? So New York looked horror-awful. Daniel Jones can't protect the football still. No, he can't. Washington, close game. Justin Herbert showed out. They also lost their quarterback. 
And we'll see if Taylor Heineke is the man for this season or if the Washington football team is going to have to go sign somebody. I like Washington tonight because of the defense. And as you said, Daniel Jones can't protect the football. Chase Young is going to get after it. I agree. Even though they gave up 20 points last game, um, which isn't a lot, but, I mean, it's more than their standards. Mm -hmm. Um, I think just with Daniel Jones – Still commanding that offense. I don't think he's long term their guy. And and look, Washington still has weapons yes. on offense. And yeah, they That's do. That's going to help Taylor Heineke a lot. Yes, they have McLaurin. They have uh, Gibson. I mean Logan Thomas. Yeah, and being at home, I think that's going to be a lot for them. Um, I think they cover, and I think they win by. I'll, I'll say two scores. I think. I think you think gonna, gonna be, I think okay. Heineke's going to play very well. I don't think it'll be like that. I think Washington wins by a score, but. Looking forward to Sunday. Some good matchups on Sunday as well. Divisional matchup between New England traveling to New York. Both teams 0-1. Um, it is very rare to hear New England is 0-1 with a losing record. But nonetheless, we'll be looking forward to this game, especially out of New England with Mac Jones. Well, two rookie quarterbacks going at it. And, you know, I thought Mac looked pretty good week one. And he managed the game well. And that's what New England wants from their quarterback, specifically Bill Belichick. And we're going to see... If he can kind of do what Sam Darnold did. I think that would be the goal for Mac Jones is to do exactly what Sam Darnold did. And obviously he doesn't have a Christian McCaffrey with him. So that makes it a little bit difficult. But he does have Damian Harris, who is a good enough running back to make things work against the Jets. So I I, I think that the Patriots win this game. And I think it's in a close one. Yeah, I say the Patriots too on the road. um, Just because I think Mac Jones is going to settle in once again after getting his first game under his belt. And their defense... Um, I think their defense can cause a lot of problems for Zach Wilson on his home turf, excuse me. Um, and I think Aguilar played really well last week, had a score off of five catches for over 70 yards. So I think Belichick and them go in, get that win on the road in New York, um, and they get it done. Moving on, another divisional matchup in that division, Buffalo at Miami real quick. Buffalo losing week one, Miami being the winners against uh, New England. This game is right down the middle, 50-50 of who they think is going to win. This game, I think, is so important for Buffalo. Win this game and you feel confident. You lose this game, especially with a not a great offensive performance, and you almost hit the panic button. I do think the Bills are going to win. I do think they're going to win and cover. But, man, Miami, that defense looks good. It's all about the offense for Miami, though. I agree. The spread is three in favor of Buffalo. I think they'll get back on track. I think Allen's going to have a bounce-back week. He only threw for 270 last week and a touchdown. Um, I like them. I think Miami's defense is going to be very present. Um, but nonetheless, I think Buffalo moves to 1-1, and Miami's going to have to dig themselves um, back up off of a 1-1 record after this week. Moving on, San Fran at Philadelphia. Two teams that are both 1-0 after road victories last week. Um, San Francisco beating the Lions, and obviously the Eagles crushing um, the NFC South Falcons. Um, what are we looking for in this game between two undefeateds? Yeah, I'm looking to see if the 49ers can hold on to a lead because I think they will jump out to a lead, but that second half, the Lions storm back. Will Jalen Hurts be able to do that if the 49ers are to jump out to a lead? I, I, I really think that the 49ers are going to win this game because I think that the Eagles, that Falcons defense is so bad, and I think that the offense was just not, you know, they were not in a rhythm at all. So I think the Eagles will be a little overconfident, and the 49ers will come in and win this game. I completely agree. Jalen Hurts had a great game last week last week, and commanded the offense well, but they did not have much of a running game. And again, it was against the Falcons, who are still in a huge rebuild mode right now. I think the presence of Garoppolo and even Trey Lance, if he gets a lot of playing time, I think them and Shanahan are going to go on the road and get a win in Philadelphia. Um, and I think Philadelphia will get brought, da- brought back down to earth a little bit. Las Vegas at field or at Pittsburgh, excuse me, the game that you're probably considering going to, Jacob. Um, whether or not you go to it, 
Let's go ahead and preview this matchup. Yeah, I think that Pittsburgh is probably a little bit better than we gave them credit for last week. I don't think it means they're going to go and compete for the division, but I do like them in this game because of that. And, and hey, Las Vegas coming off a short week and just an absolute wacky finish. You're you're kind of you're doomed for a loss. You're doomed just for a not a great showing. I think that's what we're going to see with uh, with Pittsburgh and Las Vegas. I was I'm tempted to pick the Raiders off of a high from their win, um, but I'm going to go with the Steelers back at home for the first game of 2021. That ferocious defense that they always have, um, and I think Big Ben's going to take care of business back at home. I like the Steelers, and I think they'll cover the six point spread. I think they win by about ten points at home, um, so I'm going to take the Steelers as well. All right. Is Daniel from Helena Saints against your Carolina Panthers in Carolina? Two straight weeks of a home game for the Panthers. What are we looking at right here? I mean, I I'm not. You're just setting me up for a disaster. Not really. You are. I mean, just I could be picking the Panthers. Saints Saints are going to win, and I think they're going to win by ten points. They're favored by three, which is hilarious. I know the Panthers looked good last week. I know they did, but I'm going to temper my expectations, and I just want to see solid football. I, I think the Saints are really good this year, and I think James Winston is going to have another game where he he shows out. He won't show out like he did against the Packers because the Panthers-Stevens has settled in. They're they're prepared now for what's about to come. So Pan, uh, Saints win by about 10 points. I agree. I think the Saints' defense is really what's going to be um, the difference. I think they're going to stop McCaffrey from getting anything going out of the backfield. I think Sam Darnold will have a tough time trying to get anything downfield to y'all's weapons. Um, and I think Jameis Winston, he won't have as great of a game like you said last week with those five touchdowns. Um, but I think that LASIK, which we were talking about <laughs> earlier, I think that LASIK is going to help him out. That is the difference. Okay. Hey, Jameis for MVP, but mainly it's the LASIK for MVP. Mm. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. Tennessee at Seattle. The Titans struggling at home Ooh, in week one against the Cardinals. Bad. The least. And then Seattle going on the road and getting a big win against the Colts real quick. What are we seeing in this cross-division matchup? I mean, I don't see how the Titans can win this game. I mean, you lose to Arizona the way you did, and then you have to travel across the country to Seattle against a team that looked really solid against the Colts, a tough defense. I mean, give me the Seahawks all day. I figured you were going to say that as well. I, I wanted to see what page you were on after what happened to the Titans. I mean, they look bad. Yeah. And I think the Cardinals are also good. I was going to say, that could speak volumes to them in that division. I mean, it's the best division in football. Right. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think Seattle's going to take care of business at home in that division. I mean, that's two weeks in a row you're playing NFC somebody West from the NFC West. And following your like just terrible loss, you have to go all the way out there. Yeah. I mean, disaster. Rayburn's got a tough start to his season ahead. All right. Sunday Night Football. Huge matchup between, uh, was it two years ago these teams played in the AFC Championship game? Or they played in the playoffs against each other, maybe? Um... I could be wrong. I'm not sure they played in the playoffs. They might have, but well, this is a playoff-like game. Lamar Jackson hosting the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes after that tough loss on Monday Night Football this past week. What's going to happen? I mean, here's the thing. The Ravens don't need a bounce back against the Chiefs. If you lose this game, you're not out of the playoff consideration. Now, it is a tough hole to bounce out, get out of because the Browns look really good. The Steelers, they might be better than we think they are. And then we've got... The Bengals, who, hey, who knows? Maybe they're good. But 
I think the Chiefs are going to win this game, and I think they're going to score a lot of points doing it, and the Ravens are going to keep up with them. Yeah, if the Ravens lose this game, which I'm predicting they will, I think the Chiefs will win. It's not the end of the world. Their next few games, they travel both of these to Detroit and Denver. After that, they're going to host three straight, or four straight, excuse me, including a bye week against Indianapolis, Los Angeles, the Chargers, that is, Cincinnati, and Minnesota. So not technically a gauntlet that they're going to have to go through after this loss that they'll probably get. Um, but I think a lot of adjustments will be made after this week as well. I think Kansas City wins, and I think it's going to be by about two touchdowns. I just feel like Patrick Mahomes and, and Reed are going to come out this week knowing what mistakes they made against the Browns and knowing how they can improve. And I think that dynamic offense is really going to show its strength um, on the road in that AFC matchup. All right. To close out the predictions for week two, the Packers hosting Detroit in a divisional matchup at home on Monday Night Football live from Lambeau Field at 7.15 after getting destroyed by Daniel from Helena's Saints last week. Once again, this, this is just not going to be close. The spread is a minus 11 in favor of the Packers. I think it could be closer than people expect. I truly do. This is a prototypical Aaron Rodgers, I hate Detroit game. I will say... Aaron Rodgers going for 500. After losing Jeff... Maybe not, but... <laughs> yeah, probably not. After losing Akuda, I think Detroit and their defense is still going to be struggling. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Aaron Rodgers fares back at home. You mentioned that about the weather earlier mm -hmm. um, to me. It'd be interesting to see if he came back home and threw for 350 and three touchdowns. And I mean, I expect that. Yeah. I really do. I expect him to... Kind of do what we said he would do week one with the MVP run and the Super Bowl run. We'll we'll see. But I I also just do not think the Lions are good at all. Yeah, I think the Packers are going to win. I think it's only going to be by about 10. I don't think that the Packers are going to cover. Um, I think that they, they don't win by as much as people think they do, but they're going to get it done for a divisional win. I still think they're going to win the division. I don't think the Packers are going to be a 13-4 team, though, anymore. Right. I truly don't think they'll be 13-4 or greater. I mean, I just don't – I also the, – the rest of the division is just kind of mediocre. Yeah. And – Chicago could be great. They – start Justin Fields, Nagy. Come on. Yeah. For whatever reason, he won't. It's a dumb reason. Yeah. It's a terrible reason. Anyway, Packers 11-6. and six, That sounds about right right now. And that'll win the division. Okay? You happy with that? I am, but again, I don't I don't see a deep playoff run inside anymore for the Packers. I I mean, why would you give up hope now? Week one was bad, dude. All right, whatever. This has been the scoreboard on WGL 91.1 FM. If you're traveling to Happy Valley, safe travels to you. Safe travels to you. You're well, traveling. Well, I appreciate it. But I'm talking to the I'm talking to the yes, audience. That's true. And your several layovers. Wear your orange. And War Eagle, you've been listening to the Scoreboard on WGL 91.1 FM. You've been listening to the Scoreboard on 91.1 Weagle with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Listen every Thursday at 2 p.m. as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at WEGLFM.com. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL underscore AU.